0: Starting a new series today, and it's an identity crisis. How many of you know who you are? How many of you know what your name is? How many of you men have to be told what your name is? How many of you your name changes according to the circumstances? Yeah, there you go. That happens uh, a lot. Identity crisis. And we're going to launch from 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. When I was a teenager, I was raised in the Assemblies of God all of my life, and uh, we, uh, uh, with the church, that, that when I, I was 16, I was a youth pastor, and, uh, but each church, and small, the largest church in this area, this was the Polk County area, and the Assembly of God kind of called them different sections, and this was section 7. And David Lee who is now retired? He's a missionary for 250 years, uh, but he was the he was the director when I was a young person uh, in the district and had been a part of Section Seven. And he said Section heaven, Seven is closest to heaven, so it was a little catch phrase. And and every youth group, though the youth group might be small in a local church. You know, the church might run 75 or whatever the case. The strongest churches, and there were two of them, that ran about 300, 350 in this area. Those were big, big churches. But the youth groups um, would, would be small, and, uh, and they did a lot of activity, and they were called Christ Ambassadors. And for short, we call them CAs. Anybody remember that back then? It's been a half a century. CAs, it was CAs, so where you going? Now we say I'm going to youth. You know, back then you say I'm going to CAs. It's Christ ambassadors. But once a month, all those little youth groups would get together in one location and have a monthly rally, and that would be you know there'd be a trophy for the number one church with the most that came. There'd be a trophy for the church that drove the most miles. There'd be a Trophy, you know, for the ugliest-looking youth group, and just no, I'm just kidding. Um, but you you get trophies, and they'd come, and I mean, they'd get they'd get into it, and there'd be a youth choir. Young people come right up on the choir and just fill it up, and and they would they would get going in their songs that they could sing. Well, eventually, you know, I became the youth rep for this section, and that means eventually I directed the youth choir and uh, back in the day and was a part of making those rallies happen because I was a youth pastor. But there was a song that we all sang, uh, that every young person in that generation that day you knew. And it was, it was the Christ ambassador song. Every youth department sang it around the nation in our movement. And, uh, you would remember it and many still remember it today i mean no doubt about and so the words to that uh, were like this and this is kind of how give me give me a lot of grace and mercy here here we go we are christ ambassadors And our colors we must unfurl. We must wear a spotless robe. Clean and righteous before the world. We must show we're cleansed from sin. And that Jesus dwells within. Proving duly that we're truly Christ's ambassador doors. And then they all go clapping and and that was it. But it's a pretty good song for young people Uh, in that day. We are Christ ambassadors. In other words, you're representative of Jesus in the hallways of your school. And we know that. Now I want to give you a little statement that, that just, just stay with me. When you know who you are, you know what to do. If you're a law enforcement officer, you know who you are. You're a law enforcement officer. You know that if crime is committed, you know that if the law is broken, you know what to do. Because you have been trained, you have the badge, you have the experience, you have the schooling, you have the education. You have been sworn in as a law enforcement officer. You know what to do. The point is, when you know who you are as a Christ ambassador, i.e. a Christian, you know what to do in the way of bringing pleasure to God. And that's what our life is supposed to do. It's supposed to bring pleasure to God. Just as, hey, get this now, This this is not new. Children are supposed to bring pleasure to their parents and not pain. Think about it. Pleasure, not pain. You see, when you know who you are, you exactly know what to do. And we'll discover that far too many people that are professing Christians or Christ ambassadors, they don't remember who they are a lot of times. They've not laid into the responsibility as a Christian, as a Christ ambassador What am I supposed to be doing? Now, when you come to the conclusion that you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, say amen. Amen. All right? Now, when you become a Christian, here's what I want you to know according to the Bible. You are not usual. Well, what does that mean? That I'm unusual? Most of you are unusual. You are You are not regular, the regular old person. That doesn't mean you're irregular, but it means that the spirit, my friend, that dwells in you is the same spirit that dwells in Jesus Christ. Boy, that'll make you pay attention. The same spirit that was in Jesus is the same spirit that, that dwells in me not only am I a Christ ambassador Christian here's what I, I have accessed to the throne of Jesus Christ I don't have to go through a book. I don't have to go through a statue. I don't have to go through a routine. Here it is. As a Christ ambassador, as a Christian, I can walk right into the presence of Almighty God and begin to talk to Him one on one. Somebody say, Amen. Walk right in there. Don't have to have permission. Don't need an appointment. Walk in there and say, Hey, God, here I am. I'm needing a little help here. And you can talk directly to the King of Kings. And the Lord of Lords. Can you imagine taking anyone in major authority today and you being able to drive your car to their office, get out, and go in and go right in where they are? That probably is not going to happen. But he says, because of who you are, you have direct access to my presence. Now, today is, that's what we're dealing with. Tomorrow, Next week, we're going to deal with God's masterpiece. The next week, we're going to deal with overcoming the, by the blood of the Lamb and our testimony. And the week four, we're going to deal with you are the salt of the earth. And that, in fact, that, that you are to be a light in the midst of the darkness. So, here's what Paul writes. Paul's reinforcing who we are, okay? 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? Come on, you all. He's what? He's a new creation. All right? You and I were born into sin. Oh, look at that little baby. So cute. Just give that little baby time. That baby will bite you. That baby will pitch a fit just like your side of the family. That baby, my friend... As sweet and as beautiful as it is, that baby was born into sin. You say, well, that's wonderful. And God's protection of the spirit of eternity rested that child to the age of accountability. But before you were Christian, the old left and the new came when you gave your heart to Jesus Christ. You can't walk around, well, I'm only human all the time. No, here's the problem. You've forgotten who you are. When you do what you know you should not do, you have forgotten who you are. You see, if you're a Christian, you've turned from, you turned from your sins and became a new creation with a new purpose. Now that I'm a new person, I've got a new purpose. And the old filth and the junk That once weighted you down, the sin and the guilt is now gone. It's gone. And your sins have been forgiven and that new creation. But here's there's a problem. Most don't understand what happened, and if they do, they don't stick with the plan. It's kind of like a caterpillar. Caterpillar, you know, is about as ugly as you can get. But over a period of time, that old caterpillar will produce what? A beautiful butterfly. And there's nothing more beautiful than that butterfly that is so many colors and can just take flight and fly away. And it's just absolutely beautiful. But what if that butterfly, when coming out of that caterpillar, that butterfly, of course, crawls around still like that caterpillar. Doesn't fly. Doesn't just move along with that caterpillar. Doesn't do anything like that. You say, there's something wrong with that butterfly. Nobody told that butterfly, no one told that butterfly, hey, you can fly. No one told that butterfly that you're beautiful. But you know what God did in His creation and the nature? He said, you're a butterfly. You don't crawl around like a caterpillar anymore. You get out there and you fly and you show your beauty off. And my friend, when you have made a statement and the world has heard you say, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer. You don't crawl around like a caterpillar anymore. You fly like a butterfly that's been redeemed by the grace of God from your sins. And you cannot keep it quiet. 2 Corinthians 5.19. God has committed to us, to me. Say that with me, to me. Let's say it again, to me. How about a balcony? To me. He's committed, committed to us the message of reconciliation. None of you can get by and say, not me. No. When you came into faith, he committed this message to you. And I'll tell you where the message came from. You see, that is the message that God has given you, and it's called a calling. I'm a new creation. My whole, everything has passed away. And behold, it's new. I'm a different person now. And here, the message of reconciliation. In the Greek, here's what it means. It means to restore to the divine. So here's what I am. I am now a messenger of Jesus Christ. I've been called to Reconciliation. So I'm going to do my best to get my brother, to get my sister, and to get my friend and say, I've come to restore you by the grace of God to the divine. The divine, there is a divine nature in you that needs to come out. And as long as sin controls your life, the divine nature cannot rule. But let's pray. Let me tell you what God did for me. And then we're going to pray for you. And that sin is going to be gone. And now you have been restored to your divine nature. And listen, here's what you may not be willing to admit. You were sent from God. You're sent from God. It means to help people be made right and to know how to be separated from their sin to be made right with the Almighty God. So, he gave you the title, Christ Ambassadors, that heavenly message. Now, the simplest definition I know how to give you for the purpose of understanding. If, if any one of you were appointed ambassador by the President of the United States, ambassador to Israel, you'd say, okay, now there's an embassy. In Israel, and you are now appointed, you're, a, you're an American citizen, and you're now appointed ambassador to Israel. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to go, and you're going to go to Israel. You're going to move into the embassy there, and you're going to be the highest ranking authority in Israel that represents the United States of America. No one else has more power than with the diplomatic duties than you do. Anybody needs a passport or gets in trouble, they've got to come your way. So here it is. Now, when you move to Israel to the embassy, that's not your home. That's just a place where you work for this season in your life. Your home is in the United States of America. You are a U.S. citizen even though you are working in Israel Now, here's what God did. God said, when you came to faith, I want you to know your nature and your home changed. That when you got rid of all of that sin— and that left you, and you became a follower of Jesus Christ as a Christ ambassador, your home became heaven. Amen? You know what the Bible then says? You now on earth are an alien in the earth. Somebody say, help me now. You're an alien and a stranger. Why? Your new home is heaven. Hallelujah. You are sent from God to declare the message of reconciliation. And listen carefully. Some of you are missing that a country mile you're still acting like a caterpillar and God has resurrected you into a butterfly and people are dying and missing heaven because you haven't been in your place of calling for God think about it pastor That's a load of responsibility to to put on me. Why not? Jesus went to the cross to redeem you, to give you eternal life and a heavenly home. Why in the world wouldn't it be easy to say, yes, sir. Thy will be done, not my will. If you were to ask your friends, okay, I'm going to try this out. I'm going to ask some of my buddies, do you think I'm an ambassador? You know what your buddies are going to say? Absolutely not. You're a mess. You don't know the Bible through and through. You can't even name the books of the Bible. You do stupid things sometimes. You're not an ambassador. You say, well, I, I know I've been redeemed. Yeah, but you're not an ambassador. Well, listen, here's what you, here's what you need to know. If you're a Christian, you're a Christ ambassador, you weren't elected by the people, you don't need the stamp of approval by your brother, you were chosen and appointed by Almighty God, and it doesn't matter literally what anyone else thinks. If you have been redeemed through the blood of Jesus Christ, you qualify. And not only do you qualify, you are, you are called. Do you know that if you go into the Marines or the Army or somewhere of that nature, here's what most people think, buddy, when you sign that that dotted line, I am a Marine. Now I'm going to go off to boot camp. Let me just tell you who are. You're not a Marine. You signed up to be a candidate to be a Marine. Any military people out there know what I'm talking about. you got to go through the boot camp. You got to go out there and starve to death. Let them beat you. You got to go out there and stay in the middle of the night several nights. You got to be in the cold and in the sweat and all of that. And you know what you got to do? You got to come through that with a passing grade. You got to be able to do 57 push ups. You got to be able to eat sardines out of a can with no oil. But after you come through the boot camp and you make it, and you make it, there's a ceremony. And in that ceremony they say, you made it through the qualifying and now you are a bona fide Marine. But you know what Jesus said? You don't have to qualify to be a Christian Just as I am without one plea, but that Jesus said, I qualified you. If I lay my hand on you and I call you, you are in. Amen. You are in. You are in. Come on, church. Let's wake up. You're in. But he said, now that you're in, come on and help me out. Now, I remember when I was in elementary school 250 years ago. And one of the things that you got to do in the one time through the sixth grade, that's back when elementary went one through six, and then middle school or junior high school was seven, eight, and nine. That's different the way it is today. But I, um, I, I was, uh, you know, in my first year of school, my first grade, I skipped school one day. And it was boring, and, uh, and I lied, and I told the teacher— that I had a dental appointment. And really what I wanted to do across the street from the school was a row of houses, and and one of those kids got a brand new bicycle. I wanted to ride that bicycle. So I told my teacher, I I have a dental appointment. My mother's going to pick me up, and uh, I need to go. Well, I did. She said, okay, Wayne, it was nap time. I'm one of those that I never went to sleep at nap time. Anybody else out there? There are too many other things to think about rather than taking a nap. Now, listen, friend, that's all changed now. I can take a nap at the drop of a hat. So I left and I was gone for about 10 minutes and I came back and my teacher said, how was your dental appointment, Wayne? I said, very good. Well, you weren't gone long. No. didn't take long. School was over. I went and my mother came and picked me up. And the teacher come running toward our car. I thought, what? was she coming? She went around my mother's side and said, I just came to see, is is Wayne going to be okay from his dental appointment? My mother's... uh, What dental appointment are you talking about? I said, mom, I think I'm gonna ride a kid's bike if you don't mind. She said, well, he left today. And I had a little problem because he's only gone 10 or 15 minutes. And I didn't think he could get to the dentist that fast. But anyway, that was the first grade. Now you can imagine what my career in elementary school was like <laughs> in grades two, three, four, and five, six. But anyway, the teachers there back then, uh, they, they would pick a student, the teacher would, if they had something to send to the principal's office, they would always pick one of the students and say, would you take this to the principal's office? Now, the teachers, most, they never pick the, uh, the brainy people. They never pick the nerdy people. They're, they always pick the best looking kids. And I went often. But you knew that when Miss Earhart, who I don't know that she ever smiled. Wayne, would you step forward? Now, B, Blackburn, how many of you know that's at the front of the classroom? I, I cannot tell you how, what kind of student I'd have been if I'd have been in the Z section. I had to sit right up front always. It's like God said, I'm going to call you in the ministry. I'm going to keep my hand on you from the very beginning. She called and said, Would you take this to the office? And oh, here is your hall pass. Well, you tuck that hall pass away. You get out. They always figure out, I can take my time, principal's office. And I'd always go by to the classrooms because I had buddies. And I'd walk real slow by their classroom and the windows and look, you know, and smile at them and wave at them, you know. And occasionally the teacher would look up and you'd go, Like that, and you'd walk on, and you'd do that a couple times, and you would you would wish, and I'm gonna say you, I would wish, I wish a teacher had come out here in the hallway, and try to catch me, because you know why I want them to come out and said uh, Wayne, what are you doing out of class, and I'd just smile at them and go, here's my hall pass. I'm good to go. I did that a lot. Now I also visited the principal's office. Not for the hall pass, <laughs> but for correction. Okay? But here's here's what I knew. I was chosen. To be able to go to the principal's office and I had a hall pass which gave me the authority and made you feel better now when you catch this fact that you are called by God the Apostle Paul is a person who should have never been a Christ ambassador we know that as a result of that he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament but if you looked at his past Before he qualified, he was killing Christians, burning their worship centers down, destroying them as much as he could, and yet he was on a donkey one day taking his own sweet time and his little group of ambassadors with him, and God struck him. He fell off in the dirt, and I mean blinded him so no light could come through. And then God spoke to Ananias who was a follower of Christ and said Ananias, Saul, as he was known before conversion, is going to come and have a visit with you and here's what you're to do. And Ananias said, wait a minute. Apparently you don't know what's going on down here. This man has killed more of my friends than anybody else. And you want him to come to me and you want me to, to, to speak the word so that He can receive blindness. What's up with you, God? God said, hush your mouth or something like that. Acts 9.15, go. He said to Ananias, you go. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles. Ananias, he's different. I chose him. I have anointed him. I have appointed him. And he is to represent me toward the Gentiles, a chosen instrument of the Lord. You might consider yourself not really good at anything. You say, when it comes to public speaking, I'm not really good. When it comes to trying to sway people, I'm not really good at that. So listen, I don't know that I need to be the person that tries to talk to other people or let my life shine for the Lord Jesus Christ. You will never know that you can do it if you until you step into the arena of commission and do it by faith. You won't know, you won't know until you open your mouth and you'll find God will fill it. All of us started shaky to begin with. These couple of illustrations, you know that first wedding that I had. I thought, what am I, oh, I, I had a brand new service book for ministers. And I mean the pages, you had to crack it open. It was so, it was brand new. And I'm standing before these people that, that and they're older than I was, everybody was back then. And dearly beloved, we're gathering together in the sight of these witnesses to bring to this man and this woman, holy matrimony. thought, What in the world am I doing this? They want me to marry them? Do they know who I am? And I went through the service and I thought, wow, thank you, Jesus. I've got it. They said, I do. And I got to the service and said, wow, I'm I'm done now. And I said, hey, how beautiful. I said, now, folks, the family has invited you. They have a recessional and they'd like all of you to go. Now, I didn't know that I didn't say reception. Reception. I said, recessional? I didn't know it until somebody, do you know what you said? What? You said recessional. <laughs> you said recessional. You meant reception, didn't you? I thought, if you don't know what I'm thinking, I'm barely sanctified right now. That happened at all receptions back then. Back then in the day, just so you young people know, we didn't have chicken wings, we didn't have celery sticks, we didn't have dip, we didn't have cheese bars, we didn't have bologna, we didn't have rolled up ham, we didn't have salami, we didn't have—let me tell you, all receptions back then, you had peanuts, you had cake, and you had punch. And that was it. That was it. And to this day, there's only been about twice in my life that I've ever tasted a punch worth having— we go to the reception and then you know the story of my first baptism well very first I had to look at my manual and say what am I supposed to do you know this is what it says this is the manual I've never done this before I'm almost praying God I hope nobody wants to get baptized we didn't have a baptismal pool or anything We we had the great gulf stream of the Manatee River going out into the gulf well, wow, that's where we'll go. I didn't even know where it was, but it was under the bridge that you come into Manatee to Bradenton, And we went there, and there was about, I don't know, 10 or 12, 15 of us. The whole church came. First one went okay. Second one, she was a large lady. I'm telling you, I walked up, I thought, well, we're going to have to get further on out here in the water now. I'm going to get out, Because I, you know what, I want to do it right you don't sprinkle. You know, it's totally immersion. And when you get far enough back, you got to get, well, you've got to get all of them underwater. Amen? I mean, you've got to be able to get them under. Now, they're light once you get them under the water. But when they come up, you've got to be sure you do it right. Well, when I step back, I went down. You've heard this story, but you're going to hear it again. I stepped off in a hole that went straight to hell. I mean, I went, just that. Just that. I, got, yeah, I was caught by surprise. I got choked with water. I, I finally got up, and when I got up and cleared my face, she's She's just as calm and nice as she can be. And she's just floating right down the river there, headed out to the Gulf. And I looked at her and I thought, somebody better go get her. And then I remembered that. I guess I'm going to have to go get her. So I took off after. She was almost under the bridge when I got to her. And I go back and she said, oh, wow, I feel so peaceful. I feel so good. Now, let me tell you something, and I'll confess this probably the very first time. I don't know if she ever did go under. (laughs) But we got her back. She gave me a testimony. You see, shaky, and I said, hey, lady, you're too big for me to baptize. You talk about prejudice. Help me, Lord. Well, I tell you what, sister, you get on your knees and you just get down under the water, okay? That wasn't the way you do it. I'm going to do it right. So we went down and came. All of us do things that are a little bit shaky to begin with. You see, here's, here's what I want you to know. You represent God, Jehovah. John 6, 38 says, for I have come down from heaven not to do my will. This is Jesus talking, but to do the will of the one who sent me? Who said that? Jesus. He said he represented the kingdom of heaven. An ambassador. You re- young person, you represent Jesus. Now let me say what, what the problem is. You, you, if you don't remember who you are, you won't know what to do. But when you remember who you are as a Christ ambassador cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ— you're not supposed to declare you're a Christian on Facebook and talk about the goodness of God and then the next day post pictures of how stupid you look being drunk the night before. You're not supposed to talk about Jesus on one post and because you get mad at something or someone, you start slang, cursing, and use the F-bomb on your Facebook page. You forgot who you are. You've forgotten what God expects of you. You forgot to bring pleasure to the heart of God. So the question for all of us, what kind of ambassador do we want to be? You see, you need to be a Christ ambassador where you work and that people understand that, hey, they're they're a Christian And you don't necessarily behave like the gang when they start telling all the nasty, nasty stuff. You're to be the one that represents the love of Jesus Christ in a way that when they need prayer, they come to you. When they need encouragement, they come to you. When they need to say, hey, would you tell me what this Scripture means? I don't understand. You say, well, let me help you. And when they say, I don't know anything about God, say, well, let me tell you about my personal experience of what it means to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. You lose your testimony if they go on your Facebook page yesterday and look and see what you said. We don't do that. Say that with me. We don't do that. Let's say it again. We don't do that. We don't. Let me tell you who he is. Now Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 7, You are looking only on the surface of things. If anyone is confident that he belongs to Christ, he should consider again that we belong to Christ just as much as he. For even if I boast somewhat freely about the authority the lord gave us for building you up rather than pulling you down i will not be ashamed of it paul just said god has given me the authority that comes through the power of the holy spirit the first century believers my friend they understood that power it was Peter who said to the person who needed to touch, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I unto thee. You know, such as I have. And all I have is such as I have from God. And they would step forward and say to those that were, that were those individuals that were demon-possessed, hey, I don't have any authority or power, but in the name of Jesus, devil, come out of them. He walked up to people who had leprosy, they did, and said, I don't have any authority of my own, but here's what I know, be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. And so what I want you to know, that you might look at yourself as common and ordinary, but there's something about you that is strange, that is important. There is an anointing of God that rests upon you that's by your spiritual birthright. The New Testament tells us that even the new believers, that's you and me, that we have more power than even that which was manifested in the first century church. So you and I represent heaven on earth. We're not elected, but we're called and we're appointed. You, some of you women might say, Well, all I am is a stay at home mom. What a privilege. Look at it differently. You're an ambassador raising the next generation of world changers. They're your kids. That's an ambassador. You have within you the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. You were not elected. You were appointed by the love of Almighty God. And you represent Him here. But this world is not your home. Heaven is your new residence. Well, I thought I had to die before I went to heaven. But your citizenship is already there. You see, that gives you the privilege because your citizenship is there by your redemption. That gives you the path to be able to go when you die. Amen? Amen. Let's put our hands together and just give the Lord a clap offering. Would you stand? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the abundance that I feel of your mercy and your grace today. God, let me just say I thank you for sparing us from that storm. And we do pray now for those that might be in harm's way and wherever it's going to go. But now, Lord, in this room right now, there is the filling of the Holy Spirit The anointing is in this room. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. As Christians, we know that we're Christ ambassadors, and we now know what to do. And that is to represent, like a diplomat from America to Israel, to represent the kingdom of God. Our message came from heaven. It is a message of reconciliation. It is a message that says that we are to reach out and to redeem those who are blind, as Paul was, in their own sin. When we leave this room today, may we leave here with a different attitude. May we leave here and maybe there's some soul searching that we need to do. In our heart, this, so you know, here are a couple of areas I, I just got to correct. That I'm going to need a little help with God to be a better ambassador. I need your help. So just in case those of you that are watching online, and I know your heads are bowed and those of you here in the room, I wonder if you'd repeat this prayer. Here we go. Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father. I thank you for Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, I made mistakes and I need your help. Please forgive me. I need forgiveness. I ask you, Lord, to guide my footsteps, to direct my path. I desire to be the best representative of your kingdom that I can be. Give me boldness. Give me desire. And let me remember who I am. A child redeemed by the blood of Jesus. A Christ ambassador. Amen. Now Lord, we pray you keep your hand upon all of us, guide us, minister. We pray today that Father in your holy name, the name of Jesus that will fill this message in our spirit that will lift your name up that we remember God that's never appropriate to behave in a way that brings displeasure to the heart of God we were born to bring pleasure to our Savior so I thank you now bless every family minister to every need I pray for every business. I pray for every family. Protect them, favor them, guide them. Give wisdom to all of them. We lift them up and pray that you would minister into those that are sick in their body. Would you bring healing to them? And would you make this day a very special day in all of our hearts? And we'll give you praise in Christ's name. Stay for a moment. We're going to continue to worship. So here we go, friend. Let's get into the worship.